Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. Why, hello, friends, and welcome to week 14's farm update from Rochelle here at Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. So it's like nearing the midnight hour on Saturday night. This is probably going to be a common theme moving forward because I am just one person and I have all the tasks to do by my lonesome. So today it was not like sunny and warm, but it was like the first dry day that we've had basically all week. This week it has either snowed, hailed with brief amounts of sunshine, and poured down rain like all week long. So today, Saturday, was like the only dry day that we've had for a week loss. So I have all these seedlings on my back porch that I've been wanting to plant out, but it's just been soaking wet. In my production field, in between my beds, I have grass strips. And don't ask me how wide they are. I don't know. I just remember telling Matt my biggest requirement was I wanted to go down with the lawnmower and come back up with the lawnmower. I wanted two equal passes and that's what I got. But it's mainly clover versus grass, but that's okay. It's a living pathway and yeah, it might seem a little frivolous. It does look really pretty. It's not irrigated. So here where I live, we don't really get rain in the summertime. So the grass does dry up and it's not irrigated, which is totally fine because it really serves multi-purpose. So we have very clay-like soil as I've mentioned previously. And so when it gets a drop of moisture, it becomes mud. And so those grass strips really become my pathways to not only keep the mud at bay, but I, in the summertime, I strip my stems in the grass pathways and then they get mulched up with the lawnmower and right back into the bed. But with it being so wet. It was just so nice to have the grass because I was able to kind of sit in it and plant and not just get caked in mud. So another great reason why I pat myself on the back for doing it. But anyways, I was working so hard to get my lisianthus planted. I still have probably like four more trays and I have some that I sowed a little bit late because my seed order came super late. They may be a fall planted experience. Experiment. I don't know. We'll see how they do. But I was trying to get them planted. I plant them super close because I rely on them to hold each other up and I'm going to do some steel kind of mesh to make sure they don't 100% flop over. But I use every inch of that bed space. So I still have more lisianthus to plant and a bunch of other cool flowers I need to get in the ground. In week 15, which is next week, we should be having some drier weather. So it's going to be go time in a major way. But this is the time of year when I am experimenting with direct sowing. So I have my peonies. Well, my first year flower farming, 
I have a section in what I call my perennial garden, and I planted, don't ask me how many, it's a lot, of peonies in that section my first year flower farming. So this year, technically, I could cut on them. They would be in their third year. And then last year, I planted about two of my rows of new peonies. So, you know, when they're first getting established, you know, they're small. So I've got 100-foot beds, and I wasn't going to waste that space. So I direct seeded asters in with the peonies because I don't use landscape fabric. I mulch my beds with air debris compost. So last year, I trialed direct sowing asters as a companion plant to those peonies because I wouldn't be touching them. And those asters did amazing. They all came up. Well, they came up enough for me to use them. And I absolutely love China asters. I don't really have the disease pressure like some do, but they had the best face life. I could take a whole stem and and it would have multiple blooms on the stem. I ordered all kinds of different varieties from Geo because I wanted to trial all the different varieties. And I can't remember off the top of my head my most favorite, but we will revisit that. And yeah, I could use one stem and it had multiple blooms on it and it really filled up the vase in the kind of midsummer. So I direct seeded again asters. I just did it in a different place because I'm trying to rotate my crops this year. So yeah, I direct seeded asters today. I direct seeded some dill. If anything, I'm, I'm trying to create like a barrier between my timberline and my field and just trying to somewhat distract the deer and they may be sacrificial but that is a-okay and last year I actually direct seeded a whole bed of zinnias and I had to add some extra seeds because it did snow after I had done so Um, but that whole bed filled in really beautifully and it was lovely so direct seeding for me is huge if if I can direct seed it, that is a flower for me because doing the sowing and the seeds takes so much time and resources. You know, being under your lights and watering and all those things. If I could just throw the seed in the ground and Mother Nature sprinkles her happy rain down on it and it germinates and is successful, I'm all about those flowers. So here's hoping the stuff that I direct seeded uh, will come up okay. So I don't pre sprout my ranunculus. I just soak them and then put them in the ground. And the ones that I planted in February actually look fantastic. I do a lot of experimenting if you haven't noticed that lately. Whatever can be the less maintenance, I'm going for that crop. But I had some pretty expensive ranunculus and I planted them inside my tiny greenhouse and then I planted some out in the field and the ones in the greenhouse they look like the same as the ones in the field now the greenhouse isn't heated but we've been that cold that it just hasn't been warm enough for 
either the field or the greenhouse ranunculus, for me at least. So this will be interesting to see what blooms first and what does the best. You know, I remember when I got my first kind of real job out of college, feeling like so intimidated and just I'm quite the perfectionist. So I like to know how to do stuff and be able to be great at it right from the bat, which that's not reality, but I do struggle with that. And so when I started flower farming, I was reflecting on this today as I was planting out the Lysianthus about that first year just being completely overwhelmed trying to figure out you know secession planting and what flowers were cut and come again and what were one hit wonders and what were branching what were single stems and it seemed like such craziness to me and I just could not get my mind wrapped around it and this is where experimenting for me is just the greatest teacher because when I try something then it sticks in my brain like okay that worked or oh that did not work and as I'm going into my third year it's starting to really click like just everything with flower farming and it's starting to kind of really feel good at least from the farming side of it like the raising the crop side the business side totally different story 100% insecure still working on my mojo still trying to figure out my niches figuring out you know how I've got competition how do I differentiate myself all of those things that you know I think as business owners you're constantly navigating those but the business side and the selling side and the marketing side seem like the most daunting of it all but back to the farming I'm feeling like I kind of am starting to get my groove so I've got the 2023 season ahead of me and I tried to prepare myself as much as I could you know kicking off the year but there will be some flying by the seat of my pants still this year but it's really making me think about 2024 and really being more intentional about what I'm raising what my customers love and where I'm planting it and all the things so I've been really taking some major notes on just all the stuff I say it again get yourself a journal and be journaling because you'll I do it too though there are days I miss and I'm trying to flip back in my journal and be like oh when did that happen what happened on that day what happened on that week and I tell myself in the moment I'll remember this yeah right it's kind of like my Lysianthus I don't know how many are out there and I don't know what the varieties are because the whole like mix matching of like bumping up stuff to trays and stuff like you know kind of dying in the process like whatever (laughs) it's gonna be a beautiful rainbow that's all I gotta say but we have had so much rain that the plants are like severely deprived they are yellow and they need some sunshine and warmth Uh, last year we had a very wet spring and our Christmas trees actually suffered and this was a thing amongst most Christmas tree farmers and we actually lost a lot of our crop because there was so much moisture at one time that the new growth on the roots basically suffocated in the water so 
the trees died. And the unfortunate thing about this is, did you know that a Christmas tree, it takes anywhere from seven to 10 years to grow one tree. And it's all dependent on the variety and the conditions. But yeah, try dumping money into said tree for seven to 10 years uh, and not receive any income off of it year after year after year. And then in a year eight, it just dies. Like it's, yeah. Christmas tree farming is quite challenging. But yeah, even the trees look super yellow around here, even though my husband is fertilized. But we are in desperate need of some sun and some work. And I know I mentioned I follow our, there's the Wooden Shoe Tulip Farm in Woodburn that's south of me. They've been posting some hilarious reels, like folks out in their canoes in the field. Uh, Like we've had that much rain. And they've even reported that it's almost like the beginning of March, the way their tulip fields look. And we're going into mid-April. It's crazy. What I am fearful of is we're going from one extreme to another. So in the upcoming week, it's going to be in the high 70s I saw. I'm kind of hoping that isn't the case because that's when plants really suffer quite a bit. So here's hoping we don't have such a dramatic increase in temperatures. I also seeded some sunflowers in my mini blocks. So I did this as an experiment. I have a ton of birds. That's what happens when you're trying to build an ecosystem and you attract all of these birds to your farm that I cannot put any sunflowers or peas in the ground or corn. They will dig them up. Even some of my sweet peas, they have dug those up to find the pea, which is super annoying. But yeah, sunflowers, I thought I just always sucked at growing sunflowers as a gardener. I'm like, why can't I get these things to grow? Well, it was because the birds were eating them. So I do need to start them inside, at least get them germinated and their first true leaves and then plant them out in the field. So last year, Versus doing trays, I needed to start so many and I need to do it in a small space. And so I tried starting them in the mini soil box and, you know, just got them up, got those true leaves on, and then I I herded them off and put them out in the ground. Worked out perfect. So I've got some started and I'm hoping next week uh, to get them in the field. But if you've noticed, I've walked around my field today and I've got uh, self-seeders everywhere of sunflowers. So that's a good indication that you're good to go. So our last frost day came and we had frost and we haven't had any since. So I'm kind of hoping we might be done with that chapter, but we shall see. And unfortunately, no Easter flowers for me. It just hasn't been warm enough. And yeah, I know there's others that may have bought in stuff, but I'm going to sell what I got here. So, and all I got is some beautiful specialty dafts and it just wasn't worth my time to try to go forage some greens and just sell the specialty dafts. So I actually shared some with my Freckled Bloom Flower Club 
I wrapped up my sign up for the season two and delivered some special packages to some special moms and they got a bouquet of beautiful daffodils. But it's looking like maybe I'm going to have a fantastic Mother's Day uh, where everything comes to bloom then and possibly before then. So on my list after the Easter bunny, I'm going to have to clean out that cooler of mine and sanitize it and get ready for tulips because they are out of the ground and looking fabulous. I just, I've only seen like one or two buds. So hoping I can store those in my cooler and have a just amazing Mother's Day. Well, friends, I hope you're doing great. Even if the weather is super crappy, I hope you're feeling productive, uh, that you're getting stuff done and you're feeling good about it because today I really really felt amazing about what I got accomplished and I would have liked to got more done but I've really given myself a lot of grace this year of just saying you know what there's always tomorrow and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but really trying to be intentional about like Sunday nights I'm planning the week ahead I'm not putting any specific like deadlines on specific dates but saying like hey By the end of this week, these are the top priorities and these are the nice to-dos, but if it doesn't happen, it can always roll into next week and not beat myself up about it. So I have a couple hilarious stories to share with you as I wrap up this podcast. So I love that somebody asked me if DOG was a horse and from watching one of my reels and so now I call him the horse dog because he is really big. Yeah, from afar he kind of does look like a miniature horse. <laughs> so anyways, we have found out that we have a cougar on our property and said cougar has had several animals for lunch and my dog, as hilarious as he is, he has discovered pieces of said animals and he thinks it's hilarious to bring them to my bedroom door. And so some of the deer kind of got some karma, which it's really gross and not really nice of the cougar, but maybe <laughs> the cougar acts as a bit of a pest deterrent. Um, although I do have to be super mindful of that and be aware of my surroundings because here's the deal. We had some massive wildfires in our area. I mean, it was literally a hundred feet from our shop and luckily my husband and his friends were able to contain it but we in our neighborhood it's not really a neighborhood it's you know folks have farms and property out here but a lot of folks lost their homes their entire timber stands and ours is kind of one of the remaining ones that's intact and so there's all kinds of animals out there just tonight I was trying to finish those lisianthus it was so dark and but I was trying to finish this one tray and the frogs were just going crazy it was really pretty just to hear it and then the owls started uh, joining the musical as well well, but with that, we have a lot of wildlife on our place. So last night, the dog kept waking me up, um, wanting to go outside, and it was a full moon, and he got up, and he was like howling out there. I tried to get a video of it, but every time I'd open the door, he'd come running up with another piece of deer hide, 
in his mouth. And my cat Ember was outside, um, which I was like, oh, Ember, you have to be inside or you're gonna get eaten. But he had found a mouse. So I have all my trays on the back porch, right? And luckily, he's been my little mouser. But he had trapped this mouse in between the trays. And Doji's just like, he's the big horse dog. And he's trampling all my seedlings. And I'm out there in my PJs screaming at him. (laughs) So sorry to all my neighbors. I'm like, do not touch. And I'm trying to like corral this mouse. I'm trying to get Ember to attack the mouse. Just get it done with. (laughs) It was just wow this is what my life is full of these days so it's never a dull moment when you have animals but I am thankful that Ember's been mousing but he also likes to hunt for birds which he got in big trouble uh this morning uh with one of his kills so he got locked up in the house until he could go out and mouse here so anyways well folks. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead in week 15 and we'll chat with you next week. Take care. This is one of your weekly flower fun facts from one of the Freckle Bloom flower kids. Did you know that ancient civilizations burned aster leaves to ward off evil spirits and that lotus was considered a sacred flower by ancient Egyptians and was used in burial rituals? This came from gardeningchannel.com. Thank you for listening. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation. And together, all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.